That's really what I want to talk about today um, in this message, is God's mercy. Because as I've been struggling through this um, over the past several days, I, I came upon this verse in Psalm 86. And there's a phrase, Psalm 86, it's verse 13, that really stood out to me. It said this, for great is your mercy towards me. Great is your mercy, he's talking to God, great is your mercy, God, towards me. And, and if I can be honest with you, um, when it comes to that verse, when it, when it comes to, to thinking that, when it comes to applying that into my life, I don't think I'm there yet. Like, I, I really believe I'm a work in progress. Because listen, I'm great with his mercy towards you. I'm great with his mercy towards other people. But, but for me personally, and I'm guessing there are a lot of people that are probably feeling the same way. A, a lot of us are a work in progress when it comes to God being merciful to the person that we saw in the mirror this morning. Because it's hard to show mercy. It's hard to see mercy when you see the mess. And a lot of times when we look in the mirror, we don't see mercy. We see messy. So how can we get to the place where we understand God's mercy isn't for some people, that God's mercy is for all people, including me, including you. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, or when it happened, God's mercy is great, and God's mercy is for you. And by the way, this was written by King David. And if David could write this, I mean, geez, talk about a messed up guy. If David could write this, and it was true for him, then it's true for us today. But how do we get there? Like, legitimately, how do we get there? Because once again, it, it, it's hard to show mercy, and it's hard to see mercy when all we can see is the mess. So I want to go through a journey through Scripture with you. I want to show you some things that I've seen over the past several days that I believe highlight the mercy of God. Um, it starts out with this guy named Jacob who lives in what is modern-day Israel. During his time, it was called Canaan. And um, when this story takes place, there was a famine in the land of Canaan. And Jacob and his sons, his whole family, they wind up escaping from Canaan to Egypt. So they escape from Canaan to Egypt. It's important. I'll talk about that in a second. Everyone say escape. Escape. That's, that's good. And when they get to Egypt, it was really, really, really good for them at first. Like, like it was awesome. Life was great. They began, the Bible says they began to multiply in numbers. Their family was growing really, 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 really large. And so everything is great. But all of a sudden we see something happen. We see sort of a, a plot shift a little bit. And we see in the book of Exodus that the Egyptians began to get concerned about how the Israelites were multiplying in number. And so they were like, Hey, we need to do something. We need to stop this because one of these days they're going to get so big that they're going to overrule us. And it's going to be crazy. They're going to turn on us. It's nuts. And so look at this. Exodus chapter 1 verse 11 says this. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. Now, let me just stop right here and say this. Jacob and his sons escape to Egypt, a place that eventually enslaved them. Don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. Sometimes what you escape to is eventually what you have to escape from. Sometimes what you escape to is eventually what you have to escape from. You, you, you escape to the relationship so you can get away from mom and dad. But now you have to escape from the relationship because he's abusive. 
Or you escape to the habit. I, I know something about this. You escape to the habit to get rid of the pain. But now you have to escape from the habit because it has enslaved you. Sometimes what you escape to will have to be what you escape from. Always, 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 always be careful what you escape to. So anyway, the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers. Which I'm like, are there any other kind of slave drivers than brutal? That's crazy to me. Appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. Parents, you ever play the game where you want to be when you grow up with your kids? Kids have, kids have like the greatest dreams, right? What do you want to be? I want to be a fireman. I want to be a police. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a cook. I want to be a princess. Like all sorts of things. Nobody ever says slave. N- nobody ever wakes up and says, today I want to be a slave. C- can you imagine this? Can you imagine this culture? There, there are no lawyers to stick up for the slaves. There, there's, th- this, this is not a great environment. The beatings. Think about this. The beatings. The physical beatings that they would endure. They were chained. And, and they couldn't move. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how hard that was? Can you imagine the words that the slave masters said to the slaves? I, I got to be honest with you, and I'm sure many of you would agree. I'd rather take a physical beating than a verbal beating any day of the week. Because, because you can get over a physical beating, right? That heals. But a verbal beating will stay with you for like... Well, I'm like, I'm 48 years old. So 48 years, right? You, you, re, you remember that stuff. That stuff sticks. That stuff, that stuff hurts deep. And so this is not an ideal situation. This is not where any of us would want to be. And not only were they enslaved physically, they were enslaved religiously. Because the Egyptians, the Egyptians were polytheistic, meaning that they worshiped many gods. And all the gods that they worshipped, man, they were always ticked off. They were always mad at something. Like they were always sending a rainstorm or a hailstorm or whatever. So they were they were enslaved politically. They were they were they were enslaved physically. They were enslaved religiously, and and something had to happen. So we find out later on in the story that God intervenes. God steps in and God sends a man named Moses and he began the process. Don't, don't miss this. He began the process of setting people free. And I say he began the process because sometimes, sometimes we stepped into slavery and, and, and we're there for seven, eight, nine, ten years. And we want to get delivered in seven, eight, nine, ten minutes. And God, and God can do it. He can. But most often, God delivers us through a process. Most often, God delivers us through a process. And God started a process of delivering the Israelites one by one. If you know the story, it started out with him sending ten plagues. Um, all the ten plagues that God sent were used to call down one of the Egyptian gods. He's like, I'm going to tear down this god. I'm going to tear down this god. I'm going to send this. And it's going to tear down this god. And he was showing the Egyptians, hey, there are not many gods. There is one god. And he rules and reigns supreme over everyone and everything. And he set the Israelites free. After that, they marched out of Egypt. And as they left, they're pursued by the Egyptians. And and, and he parted the Red Sea. Can, Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? I mean, we know the story. But could you really imagine standing at the sea and the sea parting and and you just walking through it? Like absolutely 
unbelievable stuff that they had seen. They had seen all of these things. They, they had watched how God was delivering them through the process. They had, they had seen what God was doing in their lives. And they get to the other side of the Red Sea, and, and, and there's, a, there's a celebration, as there should be. Because anytime you get set free, there's a celebration, right? When, when, when you're set free from what has enslaved you from years, what has held you in bondage, when you're able to walk in freedom, there is a celebration. And so everybody's cranking it. They're having the best time in the world. But after the celebration came a realization. <laughs> we don't have any food. Like, this is awesome. The plague thing, that was great. Red Sea thing, man, never seen nothing like that before. That was incredible. But hey, anybody notice we ain't got no food? I don't know about you, but if I miss a meal, I'm hangry. <laughs> I'm not going to miss a meal. Many of you are probably the same way. I, I, I've got a friend who says things like, oh, I forgot to eat. H- how do you forget to eat? Like, who does that? I don't even know how that works. But but I, I'm not forgetting a meal. I'm, no, I'm not missing them. But but they, but they they're, 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 they're wondering, where's our food going to come from? They got, don't, don't miss this. They got set free from slavery. They get to the other side of the Red Sea. And now they're going to have to learn a new normal. And, and by the way, as we go through this season at Central, when we get to the other side, when? Not if, but when we get to the other side, I wonder if we'll keep going forward or if we'll try to go back to what used to be normal. See, I'm understanding more and more that God takes us through things sometimes, not so we can get over here and go back, but so that we can get over here and go forward. If we're going to truly have the mindset, listen to me, if we're truly going to have the mindset that the best is yet to come, then we can't say the best has already been. Just a thought. So the Israelites... Watch what they say. They're, they're on this other side of the Red Sea. They don't have any food. Chick-fil-A is not open because it's Sunday. And, but Chick-fil-A is not open on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday for them. Anyway, um, and so so this is what the Israelites say to Moses. after. Don't miss this. After they've seen God set them free in an incredible way, this is what they say. Watch what happens. Chapter 16, verse 3. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. That's crazy, isn't it? It gets worse, though. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. In other words, they're saying, oh, it was so much better back in Egypt when we had pots of meat. When we had food and we had bread and and don't you just want to raise your hand and go and whips and chains and masters like you were slaves. It was horrible. But what happens is many times God will bring us to a certain place and he'll bring us to this certain place so that in order to go forward, we have to truly depend on him. But, 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 But rather than depend on him, we glorify the past. And we'll say things like, well, you know, it wasn't that bad in slavery. I mean, sure, there were whips and there were chains. But, you know, we had some food. And and we'll start actually justifying stepping back into what God delivered us from. I've been there. You've been there. Some of you are there right now. You're you're thinking about going back to something. You're thinking about going back to a relationship that, that was abusive. And you make excuses Well, he only beat me when he's drunk. He's always drunk. 
That's the problem. Well, you know, I can quit anytime I want. Really? Can you? Then quit. Then stop. Quit making excuses. Take 30 days and don't do it anymore. And see if you really can quit. You know, we really haven't seen fruit of repentance, but we can't let our worship time suffer. Get back on stage. We'll justify things in order to go back. And we'll say slavery isn't that bad when in fact slavery is always bad. Now, honestly, I'm not mad at them because I've said the same thing. We've all said the same thing. But just because we've done it doesn't make it right. Right? Now, I want to show you something that stood out to me as I was studying this. They're talking about bread. Now, I got to be honest with you. I love bread. Bread is awesome. I know some people, some of you are keto, and I'm so thankful for you keto people that don't eat bread because that means there's more bread for me. You keto all you want. I, I love, I love bread. I love all types of bread. I love garlic bread. I love Cheddar Bay biscuits at Red Lobster. And, and, and by the way, if you don't know this, a little life hack, when you go to Red Lobster, when they bring the Cheddar Bay biscuits to you, ask for the melted butter that they'll bring you for the crab legs. They'll bring it to you right at the beginning and dip that stuff in there, that bread, get it all nasty, soggy, wet, and eat it. It'll change your life. and send you to Jesus quicker, but it's awesome. But I love those things. I love Krispy Kreme donuts. That's bread, right? It's just sweet bread. I like cake. I, I like any type of bread. Any bread, I'm in. I love, 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 love bread, which is why I find it fascinating, fascinating what happens next in this story. This is what God tells Moses in verse four. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Now stop. That, that's, that's never happened. Never. That had never happened in the history of the world up until this point. That would be a miracle, right? Like, yes or no, that would, that would be a miracle. If you saw, that, yeah, that's, that's a miracle. So in other words, God's saying, if you'll stay where I brought you, you'll see a miracle. If you go back into slavery, you're not going to see what I'm capable of. God, once again, brought them to a place so that they had to depend on him in order to move forward. And God said, I'm going to rain down food. None of us have ever seen anything like that, ever. Closest we got is we, we watch movies like bedtime stories where it's raining gumballs down on Adam Sandler, right? This, this is really happening in real life for them. It says this, every day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. There's a lot loaded in that, but, but this, this whole thing, this whole, this, it's just, it's just fascinating. God said every single day, every single day, every single day, I'm going to rain down food for you to have. Now, let me ask you a question. Why? Why would God do this? Was it because they had great faith? Did God say, oh, I need to reward their faithfulness? No, because they didn't have any faith at all. In fact, they wanted to do what? They wanted to go back, right? They wanted to go back into slavery. They had no faith in the God that had brought them across the Red Sea. They had no faith that he could sustain them in their new normal. Did God bless them because they were such good people? <laughs> no. Within 10 chapters of this. They are worshiping a golden calf. A little side note. 
We pick really, really, really dumb things to worship, don't we? What do you want to worship? I want to worship a cow. Great, let's worship a cow. They were worshiping a calf. Moses had gone up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments from God. Aaron, Moses' brother, was down at the bottom. And all the Israelites had come to Aaron. And they're like, hey, we need you to make us some gods. And so, so Aaron made them a golden calf. And they worshiped it. And Moses comes down the mountain, he looks around, he sees what's going on, he's like, oh, you done messed up, Aaron. And, and, he, and he has to take care of it, that's really not what he said, but that, that's what's going on. And, and so God says, hey, I'm going to rain down food if you'll stay where I've got you. I'm going to rain down food every single day, not because you're good. Not because you have great faith. I'm going to rain down food on you because of my mercy. And you're going to be reminded. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You're going to be reminded of my food every day when you go out. You're going to be reminded of my mercy every single morning. And then he says this to put an exclamation point on it. Verse 11. I've heard the Israelites complaints. Now tell them in the evening you have meat to eat. And in the morning you have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. In the morning, in the morning, in the morning, you will have all the bread you want. So for those of you on keto, you're not following God. J- just kidding. Don't, please don't send me emails about that. Eat all the, don't, don't eat it, whatever. God says every morning, every, don't miss that. Don't miss that. Every single morning. You're going to go out and there's going to be bread. Every morning you're going to go out, there's going to be bread. And the bread every morning is a reminder of my mercy. The bread every morning is a reminder of my mercy. The bread every morning is a reminder of his what? Of his mercy. It's a reminder of my mercy. Whether you had a good day the day before or whether you had a bad day the day before. Whether you sinned or whether you didn't sin. Whether you read your Bible or whether you didn't read your Bible. It doesn't matter. Every morning you're going to go out and every morning there's going to be bread. Bread for good people and bread for bad people. There's going to be bread for people who are doing their best and people who just fell a little bit short and aren't sure. But there's going to be bread for everybody. Everybody in the camp gets the bread. Even the messy people people because I'm merciful. That's awesome. Every single morning. Now I want to show you how this plays out because years later, well, let me, let me set it up like this. For the nation of Israel in Bible times, in their mind, everything reflected back to the scriptures. And anytime they would think something or hear something, it would reflect back to actually what they, what they called the Torah. They would go back to that. That's the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Everything had a meaning and was tied to it. And most of them had, had, had this stuff memorized. It was amazing what they memorized back then. And everything went back to a certain period of time in their life. Everything that happened in their life went back to the certain period of time of what happened in the Torah. And so the Israelites, the Israelites had this thing where they would follow God and they would follow God for a little while and then they'd walk away and they'd follow God for a little while and then they'd walk away. They follow God for a little while. God would do something to show them he was God and they would come back and, and, and it, this just, this kept happening over and over and over. And finally, finally God, I don't know. He's like, I, I've had enough. Like you're really going to see I'm God. And so God sends in another nation and allows them to come over and invade them and take them over. And they're going back into captivity. Well, there's a prophet named Jeremiah. 
And Jeremiah writes a book called Lamentations. And in the book of Lamentations, this is what he says in chapter 3, verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Now, what's he talking about? What's he saying? What's he mean, mercies made fresh every morning? What is Jeremiah talking about? Well, he's talking about anytime a prophet speaks, he's looking back to what happened and he's connecting it to the future of what's going to happen. And so when he's talking about mercies being made new every morning, he's talking about the bread that fell from heaven. And right here, he's saying, hey, God did it then. And I'm declaring God's going to do it again. I'm telling you, there will be a day when bread falls from heaven every single day and we're reminded that his mercy is made new every single morning. Mercy for the messy is made new every single day. Well, fast forward a few hundred years and you get a guy named Jesus coming along. And Jesus steps into a society much like we see in Exodus. The, the Israelites are occupied by the Roman army and the Romans pretty much did whatever they wanted to do with the Israelites. And the religious system of the day was, well, side note, it's, it's so funny how we've changed so much in 2000 years. The religious system during the days of Jesus was designed to make you feel as guilty as possible. You, you ever been there? I, I was at a church one time, true story. And they gave, I was, we were there visiting, we were on vacation, and they gave, um, they gave the invitation at the end of the message, and not many people were coming forward. And so the pastor said, if you have sinned this week, you need to be here at the altar. And everyone had like an oh crap moment. And so they all got up and they all started flooding the stage. It, it was, it was crazy. It, it was like a drive-by guilting. It was designed to make you feel guilty so the leaders could feel good or whatever. I, I don't know. But oftentimes, that's what religion does. Oftentimes, religion tries to make you feel guilty. And that's the situation that Jesus stepped into. Now, Jesus said some interesting things about himself. In fact, in the Gospel of John, he has seven what are called I am statements. Like he said, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the resurrection of life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the vine, and you are the branches. He says all of these things. But the very first statement that Jesus ever made about himself is he said, well, well hold on a second. Before I get there, let's, let's kind of go back and let's, let's think through this again. God, in the book of Exodus, showed his mercy by raining down what? By raining down what? The, the bread, right? And in Lamentations, Jeremiah wrote, his mercies are made new every morning, meaning what fell? What, what fell? Bread fell. And, and he's saying one day bread is going to fall again. And the very first thing that Jesus says about himself was, was look at this. John chapter 6, verse 51. He said, I am the living what? Bread. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And I would almost guarantee that when he said it, the Hebrew mind would have thought of lamentations. The mercies are made new every morning. See, Jesus said, I'm not some stale bread that you've got to go out and you've got to pick up. It'll go bad throughout the day. He said, I am the living bread. In other words, Jesus said, I am the mercy you need. And by the way, I'll be there every single morning and I am enough 
for that day. And listen to me, church. If mercy, if the bread fell in the Old Testament for good people and for bad people and for messy people, then Jesus said, I'm here for good people and I'm here for bad people and I'm here for messy people. In fact, if you're feeling messy today, this right here is a reminder of the mercy of God and that it is so, so great. Now, personally, I wish we could be reminded by bread falling from heaven every single day. I wish we could go out, we could just open up the door and there's some bread from heaven and we could be reminded of God's mercy. But, but it's hard. It's hard in the society that we live in that, that's super critical. In a society where people don't want to call sin, sin anymore. Where we just look at things and we say, well, it's just not that bad or it's, 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 it's okay. Everybody's doing it. Or, or in a time when we have people who are always speaking down to us. Somebody's, somebody's speaking down to you and you're, you're constantly feeling beat up and you're like, man, with all this is going on, I wish I had some bread to remind me of the mercy. Because we live in a world that reminds us, not of how bad the world has been, but reminds us of how bad we have been. But God wants us to know how great his mercy towards us is. Maybe this past week, maybe you've been hard on yourself because of a decision you've made. I understand. And maybe you're saying, Ryan, I wish there was a tangible way of seeing God's mercy. Well, I want you to know there is. This week, this week, I, this week I was going through a whole slew of emotions of how I feel. Like, I've done something wrong. Like, I've, I've messed this up. How will the church recover? How will the church respond? What if people leave? I'm tired of being known as the church where worship leaders have affairs. All of that. And I think it was, it was Tuesday evening. I was reading, I read this section in Lamentations. His mercies are made new every single morning. And I was eating lasagna with Chloe. We've, we've been home by ourselves all week. Um, Mary's in Indiana. So we're eating this lasagna that my mom set home frozen with us in any way. And, um, and I'm reading that and I'm thinking, yeah, God. Be nice to get a reminder every morning. It'd be great. Well, the next morning, Zeno got up early, like 5 a.m. to go for a walk. And I, I told you that we've been going, we've been jogging driveways, right? And I, I think I made it to, to six driveways and four walks that morning. But anyway, another message for another time. We went out. It was, it was the earliest we had been out. It was still dark. And I'm mad at him for getting me up. I'm like, stupid dog. We walked for about 10 minutes. And, and as I was complaining, I looked up and I saw the sunrise. And right there, I was reminded the conversation that I had with Chloe the night before. And I was, and I was reminded his mercies are made new every single morning. So if you're wondering, is God's mercy enough to cover you? Just ask yourself this question. Did the sun come up? Did it? Because every time the sun rises, we're reminded his mercies are made new every single morning. In every messy situation, his mercy falls. Even when I'm messy, 
his mercy falls. When I'm good, his mercy falls. When I'm bad, his mercy falls. His mercy is enough for today. His mercy will be enough for tomorrow. It doesn't matter what has happened in the past. His mercy will cover us in the future. No matter how messy we are, his mercy is enough. And my prayer for us this week is that we would all pray, God, man, never lose sight of the wonder of your mercy. God, man, never lose sight of the wonder of your mercy. God, man, never lose sight of the fact that you are merciful to me, even, even when I don't deserve it, even though I've never deserved it. Will I never lose sight of the fact that you show me mercy? I'm working towards seeing that church, and I'm praying that you are too. Let's pray together.